Section 89 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. 1. The Able-Bodied Male Crossing Sweepers. Part 2. The Bearded Crossing Sweeper at the Exchange. Since the destruction by fire of the Royal Exchange in 1838, there has been added to the curiosities of Cornhill a thick-set, sturdy and hirsute crossing-sweeper, a man who is as civil by habit as he is independent by nature. He has a long flowing beard, grey as wood smoke, and a pair of fierce moustaches, giving a patriarchal air of importance to a marked and observant face, which often serves as a painter's model. After half an hour's conversation, you are forced to admit that his looks do not at all belie him and that the old mariner, for such was his profession formerly, is worthy in some measure of his beard. He wears an old felt hat, very battered and discoloured. Around his neck, which is bared in accordance with sailor custom, he has a thick blue cotton neckerchief tied in a sailor's knot. His long iron-grey beard is accompanied by a healthy and almost ruddy face. He stands against the post all day, saying nothing, and taking what he can get without solicitation. When I first spoke to him, he wanted to know to what purpose I intended applying the information that he was prepared to afford, and it was not until I agreed to walk with him as far as St. Mary Axe that I was enabled to obtain his statement as follows. I've had this crossing ever since 38. The exchange was burnt down in that year. Why, sir, I was wandering about trying to get a crust, and it was very sloppy, so I took and got a broom, and while I kept a clean crossing, I used to get halfpence and pence. I got a dockman's wages, that's half a crown a day, sometimes only a shilling, and sometimes more. I have taken a crown, but that's very rare. The best customers I had is dead. I used to make a good Christmas, but I don't now. I have taken a pound or thirty shillings then in the old times. I smoke, sir. I will have tobacco, if I can't get grub. My old woman takes cares that I have tobacco. I have been a sailor, and the first ship as ever I was in was the old Colossus 74. But we was only cruising about the channel then, and took two prizes. I went aboard the old Romewa guard ship. We were turned over to her, and from her I was drafted over to the Escromander frigate. We went out chasing Boney, but he gived himself up to the old impregnable. I was at the taking of Algiers in 1816 in the Superb. I was in the Rockfort 74, up the Mediterranean. They call it up the Mediterranean, but it was the Malta station. Three years, ten months, and twenty days, until the ship was paid off. Then I went to work at the dockyard. I had a misfortune soon after that. I fell out of a garret window three stories high, and that kept me from going to the docks again. I lost all my top teeth by that fall. I've got a scar here, one on my chin. But I weren't in the hospital more than two weeks. I was afraid of being taken up soliciting charity, and I knew that sweeping was a safe game. They couldn't take me up for sweeping a crossing. Sometimes I get insulted, only in words. Sometimes I get chaffed by sober people. Drunken men I don't care for. I never listen to them, unless they handle me. And then, although I am 63 this very day, sir, I think I could show them something. I do carry my age well, and if you could have seen how I have lived this last winter through, sometimes one pound of bread between two of us, You'd say I was a strong man to be as I am. Those who think that sweeping a crossing is idle work make a great mistake. In wet weather, the traffic that makes it gets sloppy as soon as it's cleaned. 
Cabs and buses and carriages continually going over the crossing must scatter the mud on it, and you must look precious sharp to keep it clean. But when I once get in the road, I never jump out of it. I keeps my eye both ways, and if I gets in two close quarters, I slips round the wheels. I've had them almost touch me. No, sir, I never got knocked down. In foggy weather, of course, it's no use sweeping at all. Parcels. It's very few parcels I get to carry now. I don't think I get a parcel to carry once in a month. There's buses and railways so cheap, a man would charge as much for a distance as a cab would take them. I don't come to the same crossing on Sundays. I go to the corner of Finch Lane. As to regular customers, I've none, to say regular. Some give me sixpence now and then. All those who used to give me regular are dead. I was abed when the exchange was burnt down. I have had this beard five years. I grew it to sit to artists when I got the chance, but it don't pay expenses, for I have to walk four or five miles and only get a shilling an hour. Besides, I'm often kept nearly two hours, and I get nothing for going and nothing for coming, but just for the time I'm there. Afore I wore it, I had a pair of large whiskers. I went to a gentleman then, an artist, and he did pay me well. He advised me to grow moustachers and the beard, but he hasn't employed me since. They call me Old Jack on the crossing, that's all they call me. I get more chaff from the boys than anyone else. They only say, why don't you get shaved? But I take no notice on them. Old Bill in Lombard Street, I knows him. He used to make a good thing of it, but I don't think he makes much now. My wife, I am married, sir, doesn't do anything. I live in a lodging house and I pay three shillings a week. I tell you what we has now when I go home. We has a pound of bread, a quarter of an ounce of tea and perhaps a red herring. I've had a weakness in my legs for two year. The veins come down, but I keep a bandage in my pocket and when I feels them coming down, I puts the bandage on till the veins go up again. It's through being on my legs so long because I had very strong legs when young, and want of good food. When you only have a bit of bread and a cup of tea, no meat, no vegetables, you find it out. But I'm as upright as a dart, and as lissom as ever I was. I gives threepence for my brooms. I wears out three in a week in the wet weather. I always lean very hard on my broom, especially when the mud is sticky, as it is after the roads is watered. I am very particular about my brooms. I gives them away to be burned when many another would use them. The sweeper in Portman Square, who got permission from the police. A wild-looking man with long, straggling grey hair, which stood out from his head as if he brushed it the wrong way, and whiskers so thick and curling that they reminded one of the wool round a sheep's face, gave me the accompanying history. He was very fond of making use of the term honest crust, and each time he did so, he, Irish-like, pronounced it crust. He seemed a kind-hearted, innocent creature, half scared by want and old age. I'm blessed if I can tell which is the best crossing in London. But mine ain't no great shakes, for I don't take three shillings a week, not with persons going across, taking one week with another. But I thought I could get an honest crust at it, for I've got a crippled hand, which comed of its own accord and I was in St. George's Hospital seven weeks. When I comed out, it was a cripple with me, and I thought the crossing was better than going into the workhouse, for I likes my liberty. I've been on this crossing since last Christmas, was a twelve-month. Before that, I was a bricklayer and plasterer. I've been thirty-two years in London. I can get as good a character as anyone anywhere, please God. For as to drunkards and all that, 
I was none of them. I was earning eighteen shilling a week, and sometimes with my overtime I've had twenty shilling, and even twenty-three shilling. Bricklayers is paid according to all the hours they works beyond ten, for that's the bricklayer's day. I was among the lime and the sand and the bricks, and then my hand come like this. Note, he held out a hand with all the fingers drawn up towards the middle, like the claw of a dead bird. End note. All the sinews have gone, as you see yourself, sir, so that I can't bend it or straighten it, for the fingers are like bits of stick, and you can't bend them without breaking them. When I couldn't lay hold of anything nor lift it up, I showed it to Master, and he sent me to his doctor, who gave me something to rub over it, for it was swelled up like. And then I went to St. George's Hospital, and they cut it over, and asked me if I could come indoors as an indoor patient, and I said yes, for I wanted to get it over sooner, and go back to my work, and earn an honest crust. Then they scarred it again, cut it seven times, and I was there many long weeks. And when I comed out, I could not hold any tool, so I was forced to keep on pawning and pledging to keep an honest crust in my mouth, and sometimes I'd only just be with a morsel to eat, and sometimes I'd be hungry, and that's the truth. What put me up to crossing sweeping was this. I had no other thing open to me but the workhouse, but of course I'd sooner be out on my liberty, though I was entitled to go into the house, of course, but I'd sooner keep out of it if I could earn an honest crust. One of my neighbours persuaded me that I should pick up a good crust at a crossing. The man who had been on my crossing was gone dead, and as it was empty, I went down to the police office in Marleybone Lane, and they told me I might take it, and give me liberty to stop. I was told the man who had been there before me had been on it fourteen years, and then was good times for gentle and simple and all, and it was reported that this man had made a good bit of money, at least so it was said. I thought I could make a living out of it, or an honest crust. But it's a very poor living, I can assure you. When I went to it first, I done pretty fair for a crust, but it's only three shillings to me now. My missus has such bad health, or she used to help me with her needle. I can assure you, sir, it's only one day a week as I have a bit of dinner, and I often go without breakfast and supper, too. I haven't got any regular customers that allow me anything. When the families is in town, sometimes they give me half a crown or sixpence now and then perhaps once a fortnight or a month. They've got footmen and servant maids, so they never want no parcels taken. They make them do it. But sometimes I get a penny for posting a letter from one of the maids or something like that. The best day for us is Sunday. Sometimes I get a shilling, and when the families is in town, eighteen pence. But when the families is away and the weather's so fine there's no mud and only working people going to the chapels, they never looks at me, and then I'll only get a shilling. Another who got permission to sweep. An old Irishman who comes from Cork was spoken of to us as a crossing sweeper who had formerly obtained permission before exercising his calling. But I found upon questioning him that it was but little more than a true Hibernian piece of conciliation on his part, and indeed that out of fear of competition he had asked leave of the servants and policemen in the neighbourhood. It seems somewhat curious and illustrative of the rights of property among crossing sweepers that three or four intending sweepers, when they found themselves forestalled by the old man in question, had no idea of supplanting the Irishman and merely remarked, Well, you're lucky to get it so soon, for we meant to take it. In reply to our questions, the man said, I came here in January last. I knew the old man was dead, who used to keep the crossing. 
and I thought I would like the kind of work, for I am getting blind and hard of hearing likewise. I've got no parish since the passing of the last act. I've never lived long enough in any one parish for that. I applied to Marabon, and they offered to send me back to Ireland, but I'd got no one to go to, no friends or relations, or if I have, they're as poor there as I am myself, sir. There was an old man here before me. He used to have a stool to rest himself on, and when he died last Christmas, a man as knew him and me asked me whether I would take it or no, and I said I would. His broom and stool were in the coal cellar at this corner house, Mr. Blank's, where he used to leave them at night times, and they gave them up to me. But I didn't use the stool, sir. It might be an obstruction to the passers-by, and, sir, it looks as if it was infirmity. But, please the Lord, I'll get and make a stool for myself against the hard winter I will, being a carpenter by trade. I didn't ask the gentlefolk's permission to come here, but I asked the police and the servants and such as that. I asked the servants at the corner house. I don't know whether they could have kept me away if I had not asked. Soon after I came here, the gentlefolks, some of them, stopped and spoke to me. So, says they, you've taken the place of the old man that did. Yes, I have, says I. Very well, says they, and they give me a halfpenny. That was all that occurred upon my taking to the crossing. But there were some others who would have taken it if I had not. They told me I was lucky in getting it so soon, or they would have had it, but I don't know who they are. I am seventy-three years old, the second of June last. My wife is about the same age, and very much afflicted with the rheumatis, and she injured herself two years ago by falling off a chair while she was taking some clothes off the line. Not to deceive you, sir, I get a shilling a week from one of my children, and ninepence from another, and a little help from some of the others. I have seven children living, and have had tin. They're very much scattered. Two are abroad. One is in the tenth hussars. He is kind to me. The one who allows me ninepence is a basket maker at Redden, and the shilling I get from my daughter, a servant, sir. One of my sons died in the Crimmie. He was in the thirteenth light dragoons, and died at Scutari on the twenty-fifth of May. They could not help me more than they try to do, sir. I only make about two shilling a week here, sir, and sometimes I don't take three halfpence a day. On Sundays I take about sevenpence, ninepence or tenpence, corn as I see the people who give regular. Weather makes no difference to me, for though the sum is small, I am a regular pensioner like of theirs. I go to Summerstown Chapel, being a Catholic, for I'm not ashamed to own my religion before any man. When I go it is at seven in the evening. Sometimes I go to St. Patrick's Chapel, Soho Square. I have not been to confession for two or three years, the last time was to Mr. Stanton at St. Patrick's. There's a poor woman, sir, who goes past here every Friday to get her pay from the parish, and as sure as she comes back again, she gives me a halfpenny. She does indeed. Sometimes the baker or the greengrocer gives me a halfpenny for minding their baskets. I'm perfectly satisfied. It's no use to grumble, and I might be worse off, sir. Yes, I go off errands sometimes, fetch water now and then and post letters. But I do no odd jobs such as helping the servants to clean the knives and such like. No, they wouldn't let me behind the shadow of their doors. A third who asked leave. This one was a mild and rather intelligent man in a well-worn black dress coat and waistcoat, a pair of moleskin trousers, and a blue and white cotton neckerchief. I found him sweeping the crossing at the end of blank place, opposite the church. He every now and then regaled himself with a pinch of snuff 
which seemed to light up his careworn face. He seemed very willing to afford me information. He said, I've been on this crossing four years. I am a bricklayer by trade, but you see how my fingers have gone. It's all rheumatic, sir. I took a great many colds. I had a great deal of underground work, and that tries a man very much. How did I get the crossing? Well, I took it. I came as a casualty. No one ever interfered with me. If one man leaves a crossing, well, another takes it. Yes, some crossings is worth a good deal of money. There was a black in Regent Street, at the corner of Conduit Street, I think, who had two or three houses, at least I've heard so, for I know for a certainty that the man in Cavendish Square used to get so much a week from the Duke of Portland. He got a shilling a day and eighteen pence on Sundays. I don't know why he got more on Sundays. I don't know whether he gets it since the old Duke's death. The boys worry me. I mean the little boys with brooms. They are an abusive set and give me a good deal of annoyance. They are so very cheeky. They watch the police away, but if they see the police coming, they bolt like a shot. There are a great many Irish lads among them. There were not nearly so many boys about a few years ago. I once made eighteen pence in one day. That was the best day I ever made. It was very bad weather. But take the year through, I don't make more than sixpence a day. I haven't worked at bricklaying for a matter of six year. What did I do for the two years before I took to crossing sweeping? Why, sir, I had saved a little money and managed to get on somehow. Yes, I have had my troubles, but I never had what I call great ones, excepting my wife's blindness. She was blind, sir, for eleven year, and so I had to fight for everything. She has been dead two year come September. I have seven children, five boys and two girls. They are all grown up and got families. Yes, they ought among them to do something for me. But if you have to trust to children, you will soon find out what that is. If they want anything of you, they know where to find you. But if you want anything of them, it's no go. I think I made more money when first I swept this crossing than I do now. It's not a good crossing, sir. Oh, no. But it's handy home, you see. When a shower of rain comes on, I can run home and needn't go into a public house. But it's a poor neighbourhood. Oh, yes, indeed, sir. I'm always here, certainly. I'm laid up sometimes for a day with my feet. I'm subject to the rheumatic gout, you see. Well, I don't know whether so much standing has anything to do with it. Yes, sir, I have heard of what you call shutting up shop. I never heard it called by that name before, though. But there's lots of sweepers as sweep back the dirt before leaving at night. I know they do, some of them. I never did it myself. I don't care about it. I always think there's the trouble of sweeping it back in the morning. People liberal? No, sir, I don't think there are many liberal people about. If people were liberal, I should make a good deal of money. Sometimes after I get home, I read a book, if I can borrow one. What do I read? Well, novels when I can get them. What did I read last night? Well, Reynolds' Miscellany. Before that, I read The Pilgrim's Progress. I've read it three times over, but there's always something new in it. Well, weather makes very little difference in this neighbourhood. My rent is two and sixpence a week. I have a little relief from the parish. How much? Two and sixpence. How much does my living cost? Well, I am forced to live on what I can get. I manage as well as I can. If I have a good week, I spend it. I get more nourishment then, that's all. I used to smoke, sir, a great deal, but I haven't touched a pipe for a matter of forty year. Yes, sir, I take snuff, scotch and rapee mixed. If I go without a meal of victuals, I must have my snuff. I take an ounce a week, sir. It costs fourpence. That there is the only luxury I get, unless somebody gives me a half pint of beer. 
I very rarely get an odd job. This is not the neighbourhood for them things. Yes, sir, I go to church on Sunday. I go to All Souls in Langham Place, the church with the sharp spire. I go in the morning. Once a day is quite enough for me. In the afternoon, I generally take a walk in the park, or I go to see one of my young ones. They won't come to the old crossing sweeper, so I go to them. A Regent Street Crossing Sweeper A man who had stationed himself at the end of Regent Street, near the county fire office, gave me the following particulars. He was a man far superior to the ordinary run of sweepers, and, as will be seen, had formerly been a gentleman's servant. His costume was of that peculiar miscellaneous description which showed that it had from time to time been given to him in charity, a dress coat so marvellously tight that the stitches were stretching open, a waistcoat with a remnant of embroidery, and a pair of trousers which wrinkled like a groom's top boot, had all evidently been part of the wardrobe of the gentleman whose errands he had run. His boots were the most curious portion of his toilette, for they were large enough for a fisherman, and the portion unoccupied by the foot had gone flat and turned up like a Turkish slipper. He spoke with a tone and manner which showed some education. Once or twice, whilst I was listening to his statement, he insisted upon removing some dirt from my shoulder, and, on leaving, he by force seized my hat and brushed it, all which habits of attention he had contracted whilst in service. I was surprised to see, stuck in the wristband of his coat-sleeve, a row of pins, arranged as neatly as in the papers sold at the mercers. Since the Irish have come so much, the boys, I mean, my crossing has been completely cut up, he said, and yet it is in as good a spot as could well be, from the county fire office, Mr. Beaumont as owns it, to Swan and Edgar's. It ought to be one of the first crossings in the kingdom, but these Irish have spiled it. I should think, as far as I can guess, I've been on it eight year, if not better but it was some time before I got known. You see, it does a feller good to be some time on a crossing, but it all depends, of course, whether you are honest or not, for it's according to your honesty as you get rewarded. By rewarded, I means you gets a character given to you by word of mouth. For instance, a party wants me to do a job for him, and they says, can you get any lady or gentleman to speak for you? And I says, yes, and I gets my character by word of mouth. That's what I calls being rewarded. Before ever I took a broom in hand, the good times had gone for crossings and sweepers. The good times was thirty year back. In the regular season, when they, the gentry, are in town, I have taken from one and sixpence to two shillings a day. But every day's not alike, for people stop at home on wet days. But you see, in winter time the crossings ain't no good, and then we turn off to shoveling snow. So that, you see, a shilling a day is even too high for us to take regular all the year round. Now, I ain't taken a shilling, no, nor a blessed bit of silver, for these three days, all the qualities out of town. It ain't what a man gets on a crossing as keeps him, that ain't worth mentioning. I don't think I take sixpence a day regular, all the year round, mind, on the crossing. No, I'd take my solemn oath I don't. If you was to put down fourpence, it would be nearer the mark. I'll tell you the use of a crossing to such as me and my likes. It's our shop, and it ain't what we gets a-sweeping but it's a place like for us to stand, and then people as wants us comes and fetches us. In the summer I do a good deal in jobs. I do anything in the portering line, or if I'm called to do boots and shoes, or clean knives and forks, then I does that. But that's only when people's busy, for I've only got one regular place I goes to, and that's in A Street, Piccadilly, 
I goes messages, parcels, letters, and anything that's required, either for the master of the hotel or the gents that uses there. Now there's one party at Swan and Edgar's, and I goes to take parcels for him sometimes, and he won't trust anybody but me, for you see I'm knowed to be trustworthy, and then they reckons me as safe as the bank. There, that's just it. I got to the hotel only lately. You see, when the peace was on and the soldiers was coming home from the crimmy, then the governor, he was exceeding busy, so he give me two shillings a day and my board. But that wasn't regular, for as he wants me, he comes and fetches me. It's a nigh impossible to say what I makes. It don't turn out regular. Sunday's a shilling or one and sixpence. Other days, nothing at all. Not salt to my porridge. You see, when I helps the party at the hotel, I gets my food, and that's a lift. I've never put down what I made in the course of the year, but I've got enough to find food and raiment for myself and family. Sir, I think I may say I gets about six shillings a week, but it ain't more. I've been abroad a good deal. I was in Cape Town, Table Bay, one and twenty miles from Simonstown. For you see, the French mans of war comes in at Cape Town, and the English mans of war comes in at Simonstown. I was a gentleman's servant over there, and a very good place it was. And if anybody was to have told me years back that I was to have come to what I am now, I could never have credited it. But misfortunes has brought me to what I am. I come to England, thinking to better myself, if so be it was the opportunity. Besides, I was tired of Afriki, and anxious to see my native land. I was very hard up, I very hard up indeed, before I took to the cross. And in preference to turning out dishonest, I says, I'll buy a broom and go and sweep and get an honest livelihood. There was a Jewish lady and her husband used to live in the Succus, and I knowed them and the family. Very fine sons they was, and I went into the shop to ask them to let me work before the shop, and they give me their permission so to do. And says she, I'll allow you threepence a week. They've been good friends to me, and send me a messages, and wherever they be, may they do well, I says. I sometimes get clothes give to me, but it's only at Christmas times, or after it's over, and that helps me along, it does so indeed. Whenever I sees a pin or a needle, I picks it up. Sometimes I finds as many as a dozen a day, and I always sticks them either in my cuff or in my waistcoat. Very often a lady sees em, and then they comes to me and says, Can you oblige me with a pin? And I says, Oh yes, ma'am, a couple or three if you requires them. But it turns out very rare that I gets a trifle for anything like that. I only does it to be obliging. Besides, it makes you friends like. I can't tell who's got the best crossing in London. I'm no judge of that. It isn't a broom as can keep a man now. They're going out of town so fast, all the aristocracy. Though it's middling classes, such as is in a middling way like, as is the best friend to me. A Tradesman's Crossing Sweeper A man who had worked at crossing sweeping as a boy when he first came to London, and again when he grew too old to do his work as a labourer in a coal yard, gave me a statement of the kind of life he led and the earnings he made. He was an old man, with a forehead so wrinkled that the dark waved lines reminded me of the grain of oak. His thick hair was, despite his great age, which was nearly seventy, still dark, and as he conversed with me, he was continually taking off his hat and wiping his face with what appeared to be a piece of flannel about a foot square. His costume was of what might be called the all-sorts kind and from constant wear it had lost its original colour, and had turned into a sort of dirty green-grey hue. It consisted of a waistcoat of tweed, fastened together with buttons of glass, metal, and bone. 
a tail-coat turned brown with weather, a pair of trousers repaired here and there with big stitches like the teeth of a comb, and these formed the extent of his wardrobe. Around the collar of the coat and waistcoat, and on the thighs of the pantaloons, the layers of grease were so thick that the fibre of the cloth was choked up, and it looked as if it had been pierced with bits of leather. Rubbing his unshorn chin, whereon the bristles stood up like the pegs in the barrel of a musical box, until it made a noise like a hairbrush, he began his story. I'm known all about in Parliament Street, aye, every bit about them parts, for more than thirty year. I am as well known as the study itself, all about them parts at Charing Cross. Afore I took to crossing-sweeping, I was at coal-work. The coal-work I did was backing and filling, and anything in that way. I worked at Woods and Pennies and Douglases. They were good masters, Mr. Wood specially, but the work was too much for me as I got old. There was plenty of coal-work in them times. Indeed, I've yearned as much as nine shillings of a day. That was the time as the meters was on. Now men can hardly earn a living at coal-work. I left the coal-work because I was took ill with a fever and was brought on by sweating. Over-exaction, they called it. It left me so weak I wasn't able to do nothing in the yards. I know Mr. G, the fishmonger, and Mr. J, the publican. I should think Mr. J has knowed me this eight and thirty year, and they put me on to the crossing. You see, when I was odd man at a coal job, I'd go and do whatever there was to be done in the neighbourhood. If there was anything as Mr. G's men couldn't do, such as carrying fish home to a customer when the other men were busy, I was sent for. Or Mr. J would send me with spirits, a gallon or half a gallon or anything of that sort, a long journey. In fact, I'd get anything as come handy. I had done crossing sweeping as a boy, before I took to coal work, when I first come out of the country. My own head first put me up to the notion, and that's more than fifty year ago, aye, more than that. But I can't call to mind exactly, for I've had no parents ever since I was eight year old, and now I'm nigh seventy. But it's as close as I can remember. I was about thirteen at that time. There was no police on them, and I saw a good bit of road as was dirty, and says I, that's a good spot to keep clean, and I took it. I used to go up to the tops of the houses to throw over the snow, and I've often been obliged to get men to help me. I suppose I was about the first person as ever swept a crossing in Charing Cross. Note, here, as if proud of the fact, he gave a kind of moist chuckle, which ended in a fit of coughing. End note. I used to make a good bit of money then, but it ain't worth nothing now. After I left coal-backing, I went back to the old crossing opposite the Admiralty Gates, and I stopped there until Mr. G gives me the one I'm on now, and thank him for it, I says. Mr. G had the crossing paved, as leads to his shop, to accommodate the customers. He had a German there to sweep it afore me. He used to sweep it in the day, come about ten or eleven o'clock in the morning, and then at night he turned watchman. When there was any wenson, as Mr. G deals in, hanging out, he was put to watch it. This German worked there, I reckon, about seven year, and when he died, I took the crossing. The crossing ain't much of a living for anybody, that is, what I takes on it. But then, I've got regular customers as gives me money. There's Mr. G, he gives me a shilling a week, and there's Captain R, of the Admiralty, he gives me sixpence a fortnight. And another captain of the name of R, he gives me fourpence every Sunday. Ah, I forgot Mr. O, the secretary at the Admiralty. He gives me sixpence now and then. Besides, I do a lot of odd jobs for different people. They knows where to come and find me when they wants me. They gets me to carry letters or a parcel or a box or anything of that there. I has a bit of victuals too, give me every now and then. 
but as for money, it's very little as I get on the crossings, perhaps seven or eight shillings a week, regular customers and all. I never heard of anybody as was leaving a crossing selling it, no, never. My crossing ain't a regular one as anybody could have. If I was to leave, it depends upon whether Mr. G would like to have the party, as to who gets it. There's no such thing as turning a regular sweeper out, the police stops that. I've been known to them for years, and they are very kind to me. As they comes by, they says, Jimmy, how are you? You see, my crossing comes handy for them, for it's against Scotland Yard. And when they turns out in their clean boots, it saves their blacking. Lord G used to be at the Admiralty, but he ain't there now. I don't know why he left, but he's gone. He used to give me sixpence every now and then when he come over. I was near to my crossing when Mr. Drummond was shot, but I wasn't near enough to hear the pistol. But I didn't see nothing. I knowed the late Sir Robert Peel, oh, certainly. But he seldom crossed over my crossing, though whenever he did, he'd give me something. The present Sir Robert goes over to the chapel in Spring Gardens when he's in town, but he keeps on the other side of the way, so I never have anything from him. He's the very picture of his father, and I knows him from that, only his father were rather stouter than he is. I don't know none of the members of Parliament. They most of them keeps on shifting so, so I hasn't no time to recognise him. The watering carts ain't no friends of ourn. They makes dirt and no pay for cleaning it. There's so much traffic with coaches and carts going right over my crossing that a fine or wet day don't make much difference to me, for people are afraid to cross for fear of being run over. I'm forced to have my eyes about me and dodge the vehicles. I never heard, as I can tell on, of a crossing sweeper being run over. 2. The Able-Bodied Female Crossing Sweepers The Old Woman Over the Water She is the widow of a sweep. As respectable and industrious a man, I was told, as any in the neighbourhood of the borough. He was a short man, sir, very short, said my informant, and had a weakness for top boots, white hats, and leather breeches. And in that unsweep-like costume, he would parade himself up and down the Dover and New Kent roads. He had a capital connection, or, as his widow terms it, seat of business and left behind him a good name and reputation that would have kept the seat of business together if it had not been for the misconduct of the children, two of whom, sons, have been transported, while a daughter went wrong, though she, wretched creature, paid a fearful penalty, I learnt, for her frailties, having been burnt to death in the middle of the night, through a careless habit of smoking in bed. The old sweeper herself, eighty years of age and almost beyond labour, very deaf and rather feeble to all appearance, yet manages to get out every morning between four and five so as to catch the workmen and timekeepers on their way to the factories. She has the true obsequious curtsy, but is said to be very strong in her likes and dislikes. She bears a good character, though sometimes inclining, I was informed, towards the other half-pint but never guilty of any excess. She is somewhat profuse in her scriptural ejaculations and professions of gratitude. Her statement was as follows. Fifteen years I've been on the crossing, come next Christmas. My husband died in Guy's Hospital of the cholera three days after he got in, and I took to the crossing some time after. I had nothing to do. I am eighty years of age, and I couldn't do hard work. I have nothing but what the great God above pleases to give me. The poor woman who had the crossing before me was killed, and so I took it. The gentleman who was the foreman of the road gave me the grant to take it. I didn't ask him, for poor people as wants a bit of bread, they goes on the crossings as they likes. But he never interfered with me. 
The first day I took sixpence. But them good times is all gone. They'll never come back again. The best times I used to take a shilling a day, and now I don't take but a few pence. The winter is as bad as the summer, for poor people haven't got it to give, and gentlefolks get very near now. People are not so liberal as they used to be, and they never will be again. To do a hard day's washing, I couldn't. I used to go to a lady's house to do a bit of washing when I had my strength, but I can't do it now. People going to their offices at six or seven in the morning gives me a halfpenny or a penny. If they don't, I must go without it. I go at five and stand there till eleven or twelve, till I find it is no use being there any longer. Oh, the gentlemen give me the most, I'm sure. The ladies don't give me nothing. At Christmas I get a few things. A gentleman gave me these boots I've got on, and a ticket for a half-quartern loaf and a hundred of coals. I've got as much as five shillings at Christmas, but those times will never come back again. I get no more than two shillings and sixpence at Christmas now. My husband, Thomas Blank, was his name, was a chimney sweep. He did a very good business. It was all done by his sons. We had a boy with us too, just as a friendly boy. I was a mother and a mistress to him. I've had eleven children. I'm grandmother to fifteen, and a great-grandmother too. They won't give me a bite of bread, though, any of them. I've got four children living, as far as I know, two abroad and two home here with families. I never go among them. It is not in my power to assist them, so I never go to distress them. I get two shilling a week from the parish, and I have to pay out of that for a quartern loaf, a quartern of sugar, and an ounce of tea. The parish forces it on me, so I must take it, and that only leaves me one shilling and fourpence. A shilling off it goes for my lodging. I lodge with people who knew my family and me, and took a liking to me. They let me come there instead of wandering about the streets. I stand on my crossing till I'm like to drop over my broom with tiredness. Yes, sir, I go to church at St. George's in the borough. I go there every Sunday morning, after I leave my roads. They've taken the organ and charity children away that used to be there when I was a girl, so it's not a church now, it's a chapel. There's nothing but the preacher and the gentlefolks, and they sings their own psalms. There are gatherings at that church, but whether it's for the poor or not, I don't know. I don't get any of it. It was a great loss to me when my husband died. I went all to ruin then. My father belonged to Scotland at Edinburgh. My mother came from Yorkshire. I don't know where Scotland is, no more than the dead. My father was a gentleman's gardener and watchman. My mother used to go out a chairing, and she was drowned just by Horsemonger Lane. She was coming through the halfpenny hatch that used to be just facing the crown and anchor in the New Kent Road. There was an open ditch there, sir. She took a left-hand turning instead of the right and was drowned. My father died in St. Martin's workhouse. He died of apoplexy fit. I used to mind my father's place till mother died. His housekeeper I was, God help me, a fine one too. Thank the Lord, my husband was a clever man. He had a good seat of business. I lost my right hand when he died. I couldn't carry it on. There was my two sons went for soldiers, and the others were above their business. He left a seat of business worth a hundred pound. He served all up the New Kent Road. He was beloved by all his people. He used to climb himself when I first had him, but he left it off when he got children. I had my husband when I was fifteen, and kept him forty years. Ah, he was well beloved by all around, except his children, and they behaved shameful. I said to his eldest son when he lay in the hospital, asking your pardon, sir, for mentioning it, I says to his eldest son, Billy, says I, your father's very bad. Why don't you go and see him? Oh, says he, he's all right. He's getting better. And he was never the one to go and see him once. And he never come to the funeral. 
Billy thought I should come upon him after his death, but I never troubled him for as much as a crumb of bread. I never get spoken to in my roads, only some people say good morning. There you are, old lady. They never ask me no questions whatsomever. I never get run over, though I am very hard of hearing. But I am forced to have my eyes here, there and everywhere to keep out of the way of the carts and coaches. Some days I goes to my crossing and earns nothing at all. Other days it's sometimes fourpence, sometimes sixpence. I earned fourpence today, and I had a bit of snuff out of it. Why, I believe I did yearn fivepence yesterday. I won't tell no story. I got ninepence on Sunday. That was a good day. But God knows that didn't go far. I yearned so much, I couldn't bring it home on Saturday. It almost makes me laugh. I yearned sixpence. I goes every morning, winter or summer, frost or snow, and at the same hour, five o'clock. People certainly don't think of giving so much in fine weather. Nobody ever mislested me, and I never mislested nobody. If they gives me a penny, I thanks them, and if they gives me nothing, I thanks them all the same. If I was to go into the house, I shouldn't live three days. It's not that I eat much, a very little is enough for me, but it's the air I should miss. To be shut up like a thief, I couldn't live long, I know. The Old Woman Crossing Sweeper Who Had a Pensioner this old dame is remarkable from the fact of being the chief support of a poor deaf cripple who is as much poorer than the crossing sweeper as she is poorer than Mrs. Blank in Blank Street, who allows the sweeper sixpence a week. The crossing sweeper is a rather stout old woman with a carneying tone and constant curtsy. She complains, in common with most of her class, of the present hard times and reverts longingly to the good old days when people were more liberal than they are now and had more to give. She says, I was on my crossing before the police was made, for I am not able to work and only get helped by the people who knows me. Mr. Blank in the square gives me a shilling a week. Mrs. Blank in Blank Street gives me sixpence. She has gone in the country now, but she has left it at the oil shop for me. That's what I depends upon, darling, to help pay my rent, which is half a crown. My rent was three shillings till the landlord didn't wish me to go because I was so punctual with my money. I give a corner of my room to a poor creetur who's deaf as a beadle. She works at the soldier's coats and is a very good hand at it and would earn a good deal of money if she had constant work. She owed as good as twelve shillings and sixpence for rent, poor thing, where she was last, and the landlord took all her goods except her bed. She's got that, so I give her a corner of my room for charity's sake. We must look to one another. She's as poor as a church mouse. I thought she would be company for me. Still, a deaf person is but poor company to one. She had that heavy sickness they called a cholera about five years ago, and it fell in her side and in the side of her head too. That made her deaf. Oh, she's a poor object. She has been with me since the month of February. I've lent her money out of my own pocket. I give her a cup of tea or a slice of bread when I see she hasn't got any. Then the people upstairs are kind to her and give her a bite and a sup. My husband was a soldier. He fought at the Battle of Waterloo. His pension was ninepence a day. All my family are dead except my grandson what's in New Orleans. I expect him back this very month that now we have. He gave me four pounds before he went to carry me over the last winter. If the Almighty God pleases to send him back, he'll be a great help to me. He's all I've got left. I never had but two children in all my life. I worked in noblemen's houses before I was married to my husband who is dead. But he came to be poor, and I had to leave my houses where I used to work. I took tuppence halfpenny yesterday and threepence today. The day before yesterday, I didn't take a penny. 
I never come out on Sunday. I goes to Rosamond Street Chapel. Last Saturday I made one shilling and sixpence, on Friday sixpence. I dare say I make three shillings and sixpence a week, besides the one shilling and sixpence I gets allowed me. I am forced to make a do of it somehow, but I've no more strength left in me than this old broom. The crossing sweeper who had been a servant maid. She is to be found any day between eight in the morning and seven in the evening, sweeping away in a convulsive, jerky sort of manner, close to Blank Square, near the foundling. She may be known by her pinched-up straw bonnet, with a broad, faded, almost colourless ribbon. She has weak eyes, and wears over them a brownish shade. Her face is tied up because of a gathering which she has on her head. She wears a small old plaid cloak, a clean-checked apron, and a tidy printed gown. She is rather shy at first, but willing and obliging enough withal, and she lives down Little Blank Yard, in Great Blank Street. The yard, that is made like a mouse-trap, small at the entrance, but amazingly large inside, and dilapidated, though extensive. Here are stables and a couple of blind alleys, nameless, or bearing the same name as the yard itself, and wherein are huddled more people than one could count in a quarter of an hour, and more children than one likes to remember. Dirty children, listlessly trailing an old tin baking dish, or a worn-out shoe tied to a piece of string. Sullen children, who turn away in a fit of sleepy anger, if spoken to. Screaming children, setting all the parents in the yard at defiance. And quiet children, who are arranging banquets of dirt in the reeking gutters. The yard is devoted principally to costermongers. The crossing sweeper lives in the top room of a two-storied house in the very depth of the blind alley at the end of the yard. She has not even a room to herself, but pays one shilling a week for the privilege of sleeping with a woman who gets her living by selling tapes in the street. Ah, says the sweeper, poor woman, she has a hard time of it. Her husband is in the hospital with a bad leg. In fact, he's scarcely ever out. If you could hear that woman cough, you'd never forget it. She would have had to starve today if it hadn't been for a person who actually lent her a gown to pledge to raise her stock money, poor thing. The room in which these people live has a sloping roof and a small paned window on each side. For furniture, there were two chairs and a shaky three-legged stool, a deal table and a bed rolled up against the wall, nothing else. In one corner of the room lay the last lump remaining of the seven pounds of coals. In another corner, there were herbs in pans and two water bottles without their noses. The most striking thing in that little room was some crockery the woman had managed to save from the wreck of her things. Among this, curiously enough, was a soup tureen with its lid not even cracked. There was a piece of looking-glass, a small three-cornered piece, forming an almost equilateral triangle, and the oldest and most rubbed and worn-out piece of mirror that ever escaped the dustbin. The fireplace was a very small one, and on the table were two or three potatoes and about one-fifth of a red herring, which the poor street-seller had saved out of her breakfast to serve for her supper. "'Take my solemn word for it, sir,' said the sweeper, "'and I wouldn't deceive you. That is all she will get besides a cup of weak tea when she comes home tired at night.' The statement of this old sweeper is as follows. "'My name is Mary Blank. I live in Blank Yard.' I live with a person of the name of Blank in the back attic. She gets her living by selling flowers and pots in the street, but she is now doing badly. 
I pay her a shilling a week. My parents were Welsh. I was in service, or maid of all work, till I got married. My husband was a seafaring man when I married him. After we were married, he got his living by selling memorandum almanac books, and the like, about the streets. He was driven to that because he had no trade in his hand, and he was obliged to do something for a living. He did not make much, and over-exertion with want of nourishment brought on a paralytic stroke. He had the first fit about two years before he had the second. The third fit, which was the last, he had on the Monday and died on the Wednesday week. I have two children still living. One of them is married to a poor man who gets his living in the streets. But as far as lays in his power, he makes a good husband and father. My other daughter is living with a niece of mine, for I can't keep her, sir. She minds the children. My father was a journeyman shoemaker. He was killed, but I cannot remember how. I was too young. I cannot recollect my mother. I was brought up by an uncle and aunt till I was able to go to service. I went out to service at five to mind children under a nurse, and I was in service till I got married. I had a great many situations. You see, sir, I was forced to keep in place, because I had nowhere to go to, my uncle and aunt not being able to keep me. I was never in noblemen's families, only tradespeople's. Service was very hard, sir, and so I believe it continues. I am fifty-five years of age, and I have been on the crossing fourteen years, but just now it is very poor work indeed. Well, if I wishes for bad weather, I'm only like other people, I suppose. I have no regular customers at all. The only one I had left has lost his senses, sir. Mr. H, he used to allow his sixpence a week, but he went mad, and we don't get it now. By us, I mean the three crossing sweepers in the square where I work. Indeed, I like the winter time, for the families is in. Though the weather is more severe, yet you do get a few more halfpence. I take more from the staid elderly people than from the young. At Christmas I think I took about eleven shillings, but certainly not more. The most I ever made at that season was fourteen shillings. The worst about Christmas is that those who give much then generally hold their hand for a week or two. A shilling a day would be as much as I want, sir. I have stood in the square all day for a halfpenny, and I have stood there for nothing. One week with another I make two shillings in the seven days, after paying for my broom. I've taken threepence halfpenny today. Yesterday, let me see, well, it was threepence halfpenny too. Monday, I don't remember, but Sunday, I recollect, it was fippence halfpenny. Years ago, I made a great deal more, nearly three times as much. I come about eight o'clock in the morning and go away about six or seven. I'm here every day. The boys used to come at one time with their brooms, but they're not allowed here now by the police. I should not think crossings worth purchasing unless people made a better living on them than I do. I gave the poor creature a small piece of silver for her trouble, and asked her if that, with the threepence halfpenny, made a good day. She answered heartily, I should like to see such another day tomorrow, sir. Yes, winter is very much better than summer, only for the trial of standing in the frost and snow. But we certainly do get more then. The families won't be in town for three months to come yet. Ah, uh, this neighbourhood is nothing to what it was. By God's removal, and by their own removal, the good families are all gone. The present families are not so liberal, nor so wealthy. It is not the richest people that give the most. Tradespeople, and especially gentlefolks who have situations, are better to me than the nobleman who rides in his carriage. I always go to Trinity Church, Gray's Inn Road, about two doors from the Welsh School. The Reverend Dr. Witherington preaches there. I always go on Sunday afternoon and evening, for I can't go in the morning. I can't get away from my crossing in time. 
I never omit a day in coming here, unless I'm ill, or the snow is too heavy, or the weather too bad, and then I'm obligated to resign. I have no friends, sir, only my children. My uncle and aunt have been dead a long time. I go to see my children on Sunday, or in the evening when I leave here. After I leave, I have a cup of tea, and after that I go to bed. Very frequently I'm in bed at nine o'clock. I have my cup of tea if I can anyway get it, but I'm forced to go without that sometimes. When my sight was better, I used to be very partial to reading, but I can't see the print, sir, now. I used to read the Bible and the newspaper. Story books I have read too, but not many novels. Yes, Robinson Crusoe I know, but not The Pilgrim's Progress. I've heard of it. They tell me it's a very interesting book to read, but I never had it. We never have any ladies or scripture readers come to our lodgings. You see, we're so out. They might come a dozen times and not find us at home. I wear out three brooms in a week, but in the summer one will last a fortnight. I give threepence halfpenny for them. There are twopenny halfpenny brooms, but they are not so good. They're liable to have their handles come out. It is very fatiguing standing so many hours. My legs aches with pain and swells. I was once in Middlesex Hospital for sixteen weeks with my legs. My eyes have been weak from a child. I have got a gathering in my head from catching cold standing on the crossing. I had the fever this time twelve months. I laid a fortnight and four days at home and seven weeks in the hospital. I took the diarrhoea after that and was six weeks under the doctor's hands. I used to do odd jobs, but my health won't permit me now. I used to make two or three shillings a week by him and get scraps and things but I get no broken victuals now. I never get anything from servants. They don't get more than they know what to do with. I don't get a drop of beer once in a month. I don't know but what this being out may be the best thing after all, for if I was at home all my time, it would not agree with me. Statement of Old John, the waterman at the Farringdon Street cab stand, concerning the old black crossing sweeper who left £800 to Miss Waithman. Yes, sir, I knew him for many year, though I never spoke to him in all my life. He was a stoutish, thick-set man about my build, and used to walk with his broom up and down. So, note, here old John imitated the halt and stoop of an old man, end note. He used to touch his hat continually, he went on. Please remember the poor black man, was his cry, never anything else. Oh, yes, he made a great deal of money. People gave more then than they do now. Where they give one sixpence now, they used to give ten. It's just the same by our calling. Lived humbly? Yes, I think he did. At all events, he seemed to do so when he was on his crossing. He got plenty of odds and ends from the corner there, Alderman Waithman's, I mean. He was a very sober, quiet sort of man. No, sir, nothing peculiar in his dress. Some blacks are peculiar in their dress, but he would wear anything he could get given. They used to call him Romeo, I think. Curious name, sir. But the best man I ever knew was called Romeo, and he was a black. The crossing sweeper had his regular customers. He knew their times and was there to the moment. Oh, yes, he was always. Hail, rain or snow, he never missed. I don't know how long he had the crossing. I remember him ever since I was a postboy in Doctors' Commons. I knew him when I lived in Holborn, and I haven't been away from this neighbourhood since 1809. No, sir, there's no doubt about his leaving the money to Miss Waithman. Everybody round here knows it. Just ask them, sir. Miss Waithman, an old maid she were, sir, used to be very kind to him. He used to sweep from Alderman Waithman's, it's the Sunday Times now, across to the opposite side of the way. When he died, an old man as had been a soldier took possession of the crossing. 
How did he get it? Why, I say, he took it. First come, first served, sir. That's their way. They never sell crossings. Sometimes, for a lark, they shift, and then one stands treat, a gallon of beer or something of that sort. The police interfered with the soldier. You know, the sweepers is all forced to go if the police interfere. Now with us, sir, we are licensed, and they can't make us move on. They interfered, I say, with the old soldier, because he used to get so drunk. Why, at a public house close at hand, he would spend seven, eight, and ten shillings on a night, three or four days together. He used to gather so many blackguards round the crossing, they were forced to move him at last. A young man has got it now. He has had it three year. He's not always here, sometimes away for a week at a stretch. But you see, he knows the best times to come, and then he is sure to be here. The little boys come with their brooms now and then, but the police always drive them away. End of section 89